Coming to you from Low Bar in Nashville, Tennessee, this is Feeding the Senses Uncensored. Check out my photography of 30-plus years on Insta at Trey Mitchell Photography. We are always interested in sponsorships for the episodes. If interested, please email us. You can reach us at ftsunashville at gmail.com and place sponsorship in the subject line. Also, make sure you check out our Spotify playlist that features artists from the podcast and Low Bar Writers Nights at Feeding the Senses Uncensored Music. Don't forget to download, subscribe, and share. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the podcast. Our guest is Madeline Ray. Hey, everyone. Um, my name is Madeline Ray, and I'm super honored to be here. And you're listening to Feeding the Senses Uncensored. I'm your host, Trey Mitchell. Thanks for joining me. I appreciate that you reached out to us. So tell me, how did you hear about the podcast first? Obviously, very grateful you reached out because I checked out your music and I like it and you seem really cool. So I wanted to get you on. But how did you find us? Awesome. Yeah, I actually I am based in Nashville. I met someone by just kind of networking in town, Michael Connolly, and he was featured on your podcast a few months ago. And I kind of was introduced to the podcast through that whole scene. And so I decided, wow, like Michael's awesome. Let me see if I can be a part of this, too. Yes, he's definitely awesome. He's a great guy. I met him through some friends, and he played one of our writer's nights Nice at Low Bar, and then I saw him play. He opened up for Brie. Yeah, Brie Kennedy, right? Yes, and that was a really cool show. I know she did like a, a month or so over at... Bowery. Over at the Bowery, yes. Yes, I didn't get to go to those, but I did hear a lot about them, and I was sad that I missed them. Yes, they were cool. But thanks for Michael. Yeah, he's great. Love talking with him. Very cool guy. Interesting writer. Super nice guy. So yeah, thanks, Michael. So let's start. I heard some news that you are now a trio and not just a solo artist. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. It's kind of a new thing that is emerging. So obviously, I, I write my own music and you know, I've been playing writers rounds around Nashville. But I really wanted to kind of create something unique because what I found is that when I'm playing these writers rounds it's completely stripped and you know it's just me and the keyboard and the person next to me is you know just them and their guitar there's a beauty in kind of the vulnerability and in that sort of round but then at the same time you've got these live shows that bring this you know momentum and there's more instrumentation and it's kind of an exciting thing but sometimes I feel like that kind of loses the intimacy you know and can just be a wall of sound so I kind of wanted to blend the two elements together and kind of just create this stripped down version of a band and so it's just it's me and then my friend Erica Nallo who plays the electric guitar and then um, my friend Peter Tissot who is on the base and it's basically just the three of us so that we can kind of encapsulate that intimacy while still building excitement with the multiple instrumentation right now you mostly play keyboard from what i've seen do you play other instruments as well i'm mostly a vocalist and then i accompany myself on the keyboard so um, i do play a little bit of ukulele and i know a few guitar chords <laughs> i would not say that those are instruments that i can competently play <laughs> gotcha so you said you live in Nashville, but I'm assuming you're not from here? I am not from Nashville. Actually, I'm home right now in Texas. I'm from a small town called Willis, Texas, and that's a, an hour north of Houston. So that's where I grew up. So you love the heat so much you had to chase it down. <laughs> yes, I'm enjoying the heat so much in the hundreds. It's great. Oh, man, that's crazy. So how did you get from... Small town, Texas, north of Houston, to Nashville? Um, That's a great question. I actually went to college, Dallas Baptist University. So um, I left my little small town and I, I moved to the city of Dallas to study music business. And then while I was there for four years, I racked up a bunch of college debt. And so I also knew that, you know, I was going to pursue music and it was, you know, maybe going to take me a little bit to build that momentum. And so I actually decided to take a sidestep. And after college, I moved to Fort Lauderdale and I joined the yachting industry as a stewardess. So I did that for a little bit full time. And then after doing that and saving up money and paying off some of my student loans, I was finally at a point where financially I could justify just going all in moving to Nashville I'd always wanted to do music 
and I just kind of needed uh, needed to build my foundation first. And so after spending a few years in the yachting industry, then I decided to pack my bags. I left that industry behind and I moved to Nashville and I now have a condo over by the airport and I'm just giving everything I've got to music right now. It's really exciting. Well, obviously, that's why you're on the podcast is because of music, but I am interested in the yachting industry. How did you get into that? And remind me again how long you did it and what does that entail? And the topper is you've got to have some great stories, right? <laughs> it is a very interesting industry, just like music. They're both so, so interesting and unique. Yeah, I basically, I moved to Fort Lauderdale and I got certified to work on a boat you know, I had no experience and I found a boat that was willing to take on someone who didn't know anything. It was definitely an exciting thing. It was a huge learning curve. I essentially am like a high-end housekeeper slash elite service person. Usually the boats I was on would kind of cater to around 12 guests. And so it's not like a cruise ship where there's hundreds of people on board. It is very exclusive and very high end. And, you know, there's a specific place that all of the silverware goes and the glassware and I'm making your bed beautifully and I'm wiping off every single fingerprint. It's a whole thing. It was really fun. It's a great way to just kind of travel. I, I got to go to the Bahamas and the Caribbean and then I got to go to the Mediterranean and do France and, and Italy. And it's been a really neat way to kind of make money and do something adventurous in my early 20s. And now I'm 27. And I, I did think that I was going to completely leave that whole world behind. But what was neat about yachting is it's a skill that I've now acquired. I've been in the industry for five years. I did it full time for probably like two and a half. And then I left when COVID hit. I thought that I was never going back. And then I realized I have this really cool tool in my tool belt. Now I can just do yachting part-time uh, as someone in freelance. And so I can just be in Nashville doing my music stuff independently as an artist. And then when I need a couple extra thousand bucks, you know, to pay my bills, I can go pick up a yachting gig for two weeks and come back home and put that toward my music projects. Wow. Yeah. Did you sign an NDC so you can't talk about the exclusive guests? Actually, no. I mean, while I was on board with the guests, you know, I'm supposed to be mindful of not taking selfies with people and putting people's personal property out on the internet for everyone to see. But I actually didn't have to sign any agreements that I'm not allowed to talk about things after. <laughs> so do you have any good stories? What famous people could you bring up and mention it was interesting because for the majority, I was usually just dealing with wealthy people who weren't as well known. Maybe they created a, a company that then became really successful and then they sold it. And then now they are, you know, multi-millionaire, multi-billionaire. I did a trip with someone who was worth $9 billion. I almost got to do a trip with Venus and Serena, the sisters. Oh, wow. And then I got called away for a family thing back home. And so I didn't do a trip with them. But I did have Claudia Schiffer on board, the German model. And she is married to Matthew Vaughn, who the director, producer of the Kingsman movies. Oh. So I've seen, you know, some famous people. And, you know, obviously it depends on the yacht. I know friends who have been on board with a slew of other really, really famous people. But a, a lot of the guests that we had on board were just kind of, you know, in the 1% and, you know, more private. Right. Yeah. Wow, that's really interesting. When you said yachting, my brain clicked because I, I've met a lot of people that have done cruise ships as musicians. Yeah. For similar reasons, they make decent money, they get to travel. And of course, you're practicing basically all the time and your skills improve because you have to deal with all these people. Uh, I know it's not the same, but it's it's a little similar and it's, it's a unique experience for sure. It really is. And I think the only difference is that I felt like this was a sidestep away from music because ultimately I was kind of just a high-end housekeeper and I felt like music was really falling into the background. Any chance I got, people would find out that I could sing. And I went through a period of time where on the guest's last day of the trip, I would come out and I would serenade them. I had my ukulele on board, so I would play them a song and 
they always felt really special and honored and it usually helped their tips as well which was nice but I really did have this realization where I was like wow I'm only here for the money and I don't want to do this anymore music is what I'm passionate about and I need to chase that so yeah that's when I kind of shifted and now I really just use yachting as sort of a, a safety net and it's awesome because it makes me not afraid to pursue music with everything that I've got because I know I have a fallback if I ever am, you know, running on empty. Yeah. And it's got to be good because like you said, you could jump out and make good money for a short amount of time. Yeah. Whereas a lot of people like you know myself have day jobs. Right. And it's more consuming time-wise and in, in, in yeah. a lot of ways and it doesn't stop. So it would be nice to hop out and get back to my reality, but yeah. Right. <laughs> but that's really cool. Yeah. So when you moved here, you were doing solo stuff. You're doing the writer's thing. So get back to music because how would you describe what your solo music was and how and if it is different from the trio, not just the way you described it, like sparse, but still full stylistically? Basically, the idea with the trio was how can we start making this lucrative because I think what people find moving to Nashville is it's this amazing place with all of this networking opportunity and but ultimately a lot of the gigs that you play are mostly exposure based yeah for sure you know which is awesome for building up your portfolio and and meeting really great people that you could potentially build your career with but I do think that when you're pursuing original music especially as an independent artist it can be tricky because a lot of the venues you're just not really getting paid much so it's a hard thing to to kind of sustain you um and so the other idea with the trio is using it more as a cover trio where you know we're, we're kind of building up a repertoire of yeah. cover songs so that we can take this into like hotel lobbies and things like that and hopefully kind of get paid to do our cover hustle and then also <laughs> using them any opportunity that i can to be sort of the backing for any original music that I do. And I would love to kind of start doing house shows um, with the trio with my originals as well, and just kind of start building up a small fan base locally that then hopefully kind of gains momentum and grows. But I would say that's the significant difference between the trio and my original stuff is that the trio is, is also focused on cover music. Right. Okay. I'll ask you a bunch of questions all at once. So how would you describe your music, your solo music? Yeah, that's a good question. I say that I really focus on lyricism. I think that that's first and foremost kind of what I gravitate towards. So it's usually in a storytelling fashion. A lot of times it's based on my personal experience and I'm very like raw and vulnerable and open book about everything. I think that that's the key factor in music is you're wanting to connect to your audience. And I think the best way to connect with people is to be as authentic as possible and sharing my story, my joy, my pain, my healing journey, because someone else on the other side is going to hear that and they're going to feel not alone and they're going to be able to connect to my story in their own way based on their own experiences. So I think that it always starts with raw, honest lyricism. And then because I'm a piano player, a lot of it starts that way where it becomes sort of this singer songwriter you know piano driven piece but primarily it is very vocally driven and I'm very kind of melodic with the melodies that I write and then it usually kind of ends up being I'd like to say that I'm indie pop but it always has some kind of element of soul kind of like lounge um, as well I kind of fall into the jazzy lounge and then especially when we take things into the studio I love adding in a little bit of R&B elements too so it's kind of a culmination of lots of things but I would definitely say that if I was to boil it down it would just be raw honest lyricism and yeah heartfelt vocals that kind of fall into the chill lounge vibe I would say okay and you, so you mentioned recording so let's talk about that because obviously a lot of things have changed yeah dear to record in a lot of places for a lot cheaper than it used to be mm -hmm. and you don't necessarily have to spend a ton of money and do a full record so what recordings have you done have you released collections or have they been singles and then want to follow up that with videos too yeah i'm currently working with someone his name is johnny lucas he's awesome he's from england originally and i met him 
through a Facebook group while being in Nashville. And he has his own home studio uh, behind his house. It's called Round Corner Studios. He is just sort of like a jack of all trades guy. And he has an awesome space. And I just bring my raw originals, bare bones into his studio. And then I kind of bring in my vision. And he totally brings it to life. He records everything. So he's the engineer. He's also the producer. He also plays, you know, instruments, you know, on my song. And then he even goes in and he mixes and he masters. And so he's been amazing to work with. And he's so patient and he's just so genuine. And so that's been a really, really neat kind of connection that I've made. And so he has a lot of input on kind of what the overall sound ends up being whenever it's released. And so since being, in Nashville working with him I've released three songs all as singles and then I've got one more that's actually done and it is coming out and I am so excited it's probably the song that I'm the most proud of out of everything that's kind of the next big thing that's coming and I've done basically DIY project stuff to promote them I do have big plans for this song though and I'm going to get a professional quality video done for this song in the future. So that's exciting. Song break. The first song is called City Lights. It's the first song that I released since being in Nashville. And um, this one is just for fun. It's kind of about falling in love under the city lights, um, being in Rome. And it's sort of got a lo-fi pop feel. And it's really just a feel-good song. And I love it. It's something that's caught on. It's catchy. It's kind of just, just a bop.
And now back to the podcast with Madison Ray. Again, the accessibility of the socials. How often a day, a week, do you post? There's got to be some kind of formula somewhere out there that says post this many times a day, talk directly to your people so you know you get this connection, put out the videos and the links. And I mean, there's got to be some kind of method to it, right? Right. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's really just what you have to manage it as best as you can because ultimately <laughs> anyone will tell you this like if, if you wanted to really effectively run a media page that's a full-time job all on its own and like you mentioned as an artist it's sometimes not fully paying your bills so a lot of times we're juggling other things our day jobs are with me my random <laughs> two week long yachting gigs that I do and so it's really kind of whatever you can faithfully manage I try to post at least like three times a week on my actual feed. And then I try to put up things on my story every day. And you're right. The more interactive you are, the better. Because if I'm promoting other people's things, then I know that they're going to remember that. And then whenever I have something that comes out, they're going to be like, oh, you know, I want to support Madeline. And that's something I love about Nashville, too, is I I feel like when I moved, I wasn't sure what it was going to be like. I knew it was this place that was full of creativity, but I, I didn't know if it was going to be everyone trying to step on each other to get to the top. And one of the most beautiful things that I found is that Nashville is a place where all of us are, we're just in it together. We know what it's like. And so we just try to lift each other up and support each other however we can. So I would say that that's the key is just being consistent with posting. But also, yeah, interacting with your other fellow artists, because if you're scratching their back, they're going to be scratching yours, too. And I think combining your little fan bases is how it starts. Yes. And that's a, a very important point. And when I moved here long ago, that was what I felt was this great sense of community that yeah. will really say, I'm sorry, I can't help you, but talk to so-and-so. And you get passed on and you really build this network. And it really is cool. And obviously it changes through time because people come and go different areas, different pockets have different groups now, different styles of music. So a lot of people, they're in the folk scene. That's kind of what they, it is really cool. And it really is inviting in a really strange way as this podcast has progressed. It's illustrating. I hope that that is one of the main points that it is community. That's when I talk about how I meet these people that I have on the podcast. Yeah. Because that's very important. And you know, a lot of people have moved on and I'll reconnect. So it's it's Nashville centric for sure, but you know, not everybody lives here now. But the thing is everyone did. Yeah. Exactly. And I've heard it be told like that that, you know, Nashville is sort of an incubator. It's it's where you go to meet your core people and then you take that elsewhere. And then, yeah, the connections that you make, who knows, they could be connections for life. It's exciting. You're in a place where you're doing what you love and everyone around you is doing what they love too. So it's exciting. So speaking of playing, what are your favorite places to play? Um, Yeah, good question. Well, one of my favorite places is the Bowery that you mentioned earlier. I just think that that is such an intimate venue. I love that it's a vintage coffee shop by day and then turns into a music venue at night and I just feel like in that space specifically it is just such a listening room it's not you know a noisy bar where people are talking and you sound nice in the background but they aren't really paying attention it's a place where when I play and I do I really pour my heart into the lyrics that I write and you could hear a pen drop on the floor because people are just totally engaged I love that about that room and then I also really love playing the pin drop songwriting series put on by stevie ray stevens and karen Eggman mullen uh, it's just it's a really cool community that they've created um and i know it uh used to be at a, a few different locations but right now um they're operating out of sunny's clubhouse that's just a series of writers rounds that they put on and it happens every sunday evening starting at 6 p.m but that's one of my other favorite places and i've just connected with so many people because of that writer's round. So that's another really, really great community and space to play. And then, you know, honestly, I am still kind of building up playing shows. I've done a lot of writer's rounds now, but I've only done a handful of actual shows. I've, I've played um, another great space is they do Motown Mondays every Monday. It's a great space. Five spot, five spot. There we go. 
yeah, that's another great spot. So I would say that those are probably my top. You know, honestly, I would love to play in some other spaces around town. I think the analog is awesome. I'm just still, honestly, I'm emerging. So that's why this is an exciting time with my song coming out. I'm just, I'm kind of branching out from where I've been. So it's great. Yeah, and it's interesting too, going back to the Monday nights and the Sunday nights and you know, a long time ago, at places no longer there called Twelve and Porter, they had a series called or Twelve on Twelve. Awesome. And you know, you had twelve different artists. Cool. One night a week, I believe, that came up and played two songs each. And it's not that dissimilar to these other small series where you have musicians. At that time, it was Daniel Tashin, who you may have heard of. Yeah. He's a great songwriter and producer now. But it, the incubator, you know, that I where they they just have this space and they just open it up and it fills and it continues to fill and it builds that community so it's really important no matter who does it you know a long time ago there's a guy named billy block when i had my uh, art publication we did series at a lot of different places some weekly some monthly some annually yeah and it's just really cool and i still have a lot of friends from that time period in the mid 90s where that community is still here we're just not in the same spot we were totally yeah those are yeah those are all great spaces for sure no it's it's so true it's different and there's new people that move to the city every day and you know people are innovative that's what i love about being here is it's just such a creative town and there's just always something going on and new circles to be a part of the vibe the community the goal the togetherness is still here every day and I, you know when i even when i first moved to nashville i try to explain to people you don't understand it's not just country music there's every style of music and every kind of person and every kind of art yeah as the art publication we covered all the arts just like i do with the podcast so it really is a wealth of enormous talent and i'm hoping that people are exposed to these up and coming really wonderful people and great artists through this podcast yeah it's not just the podcast it is what nashville is mm-hmm. yeah Exactly. I I couldn't have envisioned what it would be like, but I am so not disappointed. <laughs> it's been so rewarding. And I think you have to be to be resilient. You have to be brave, especially, you know, there are people that are born around Nashville, but a lot of us come from other places like you mentioned earlier and so I think that that is also why there's that sense of community there because all of us know for the most part what it's like to be new, to not know anyone. So I think that there's a sensitivity about that from people as well, which is really neat. Yeah, that's a really good point because you are a transplant. It, it is great because you're all kind of looking for those other people that moved here as well to have the same things in common. And and that's what's available in many areas of Nashville, and it's really cool. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Song break. This song is called 42 Moons, and I'm incredibly proud of it. It is a song that I wrote using the moon as a timeline for a relationship that I was in. So there's 12 full moons in one year, and there are 42 moons in three and a half years. And so I, I wrote this song called 42 Moons, talking about this period of time in my life. It was really hard. I found myself feeling down and feeling lost, and I wanted to write something that empowered me and that allowed me to pick myself back up and start fresh. And so that's what this song is. It's it's brought a lot of healing into my life, but it's also been something I've played around town and it really is powerful for a lot of people that have heard it. It's probably the song I'm the most proud of and it is something that I'm pouring a lot of my energy into and there is an upcoming music video that is going to be released as well. That's 42 Moons. When you left, when you left, when you left, all my worries. 
now back to the podcast. Okay, I have a question about your name. So your name is Madeline Ray Smith, or is Ray a stage name? And if it is, where did that come from? So Madeline Ray is my first and my middle name. I, originally, back in the day, I thought I was going to go by my full name, Madeline Ray Smith, and that's just too much of a mouthful. And there's already a thousand Madeline Smiths, and Smith is just way too generic. So I decided to just cut out the Smith and just be Madeline Ray, and that is actually my birth name minus the last name. So that's what I go by. Very cool. So let's talk about your beginning with music. When did you start learning to play? I've been playing music since before I can remember. I grew up the musical mom, and I also grew up with a piano in the living room. And as a little girl, I was singing in church, and I was singing with my mom. She taught me how to harmonize from like age five. And then um, I always was just kind of tinkering around on the piano. I did try to undergo lessons at one point, but I was always just someone that gravitated towards playing by ear. And uh, I just always kind of had this natural ability, I think. And then I think that was very much nurtured by having this musical parental figure in my life that really just honed my skills from a young age. And then I just kind of continued to pursue that throughout life. That's really cool. I don't, I don't know what's wrong with me because my mom played piano. We had a piano in the house and my dad played clarinet, although he didn't play it much. Um, and we were always listening to music. My mom listened to mostly country from what I remember. And my dad liked uh, instrumental and just, you know, things that weren't as mainstream. And I've had so many instruments and I've always wanted to learn how to play. So I don't know what happened to me. I had opportunities. It wasn't in the cards for me, but, you know, I always so knew I was always going to be some type of artist. So, uh, I'm a double art major, so music has always been a big part of my life. Obviously, I love music, and I love the people behind the music. So it's interesting how paths take different turns for you, even if you have some of the same opportunities, you know? I wouldn't say I've missed the boat or train, because I've been on them both. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I do think that also you just kind of like, you have a natural pull towards things because I grew up with a brother who also was in a musical home because of my mom and he just completely wanted his own thing. He didn't want to do music at all. That was kind of my thing. And he went on to do other things. So I think part of it is environment, of course, but it's also just your natural interests, which is neat. Right. Yeah. So let's talk about influences. And I know there's this thing and I totally understand it and I'm not going to ask you that question, but it is interesting <laughs> that writers, critics, listeners want to say he or she or they sound like so-and-so. Yeah. I don't know that that's quite a fair question necessarily. I know that's the relatability that you can identify with another artist and say they're in that genre or that style, but let's get to your influences that maybe led you to the style that you play and the interests and styles and genres that you do have? Yeah, I, I think for a while I struggled with that because I was someone that listened to so many different kinds of music. Um, and I think you're also limited to the music that your parents listen to. You know, like I grew up with my mom listening to the Beatles and John Mayer and Jason Mraz and then also Stevie Wonder and just all of these very different Sarah Vaughan, so many different artists. For a while, I just was singing everything that I heard. And then I think as I came into adulthood, especially artistry, I kind of had to decide what's different between just the songs that I know and the artists that I know, and then the artists that I am inspired by and, you know, kind of see myself in. And that was actually really hard hump to get over. And I think I'm still kind of discovering who inspires me. I know that there's a trio called Joseph. I don't know if you've ever heard of the band Joseph, but they are three sisters from Eugene, Oregon. And um, I loved listening to their music. And I've been to their concert probably three times. They are just awesome. And they just have these tight harmonies and they're powerful, but they're intimate. And I love that there's this sort of sibling 
vocal thing happening. And so I always really was inspired by that kind of writing, songs that foster a lot of harmony and that also can be haunting and speak a lot of truth. I think those type of artists really struck me. And so that was kind of the first group that really inspired me. And then as I've kind of grown, I I was really inspired by different vocalists that I looked up to. So Yeba is someone that I don't think that I sound like because she is just in a world all of her own. But I, I just was always impressed by her nuances and kind of the artistry of her vocals and how she really just painted a sonic picture by the songs that she sang. So I think I kind of take elements of that. I really love Leanne LaHavis. She is sort of a, uh, a folk, you know, folk girl, British songwriter. And she uses the electric guitar in an acoustic way. So kind of just having these sort of stripped back, raw performances, but that were unique and vocally driven. And I don't know, it's honestly a hard question to answer. But I found myself drawn to those kind of people. And I guess a current inspiration now, I've been really listening to Olivia Dean. I've also been listening to Eloise. And those are people that are that are closer to my age and that kind of have this this soul R&B sort of chill pop thing. And I think that kind of describes, you know, where I live as well. Song break. This next song is Fight. It's a song that I really love and it's got good energy. It's got um, synthetic and authentic sounds. Usually I try to mix mix synthetic and authentic um, in everything that I do. And the song is just kind of about wishing that your partner would fight for you um, and wanting someone that loves you so much that despite the circumstances, they say, I love you and I'm going to fight for this and I'm going to fight until we break through. So that's what this song is about. And it really resonates with me. I hope that it resonates with you.
Back to the interview with Madison Ray. So this is a common question, but it's always different because every conversation is different. If you could tour with any artist right now, who would you say, oh, hell yeah? Oh, gosh, that's a great question. Oh, wow. Well, I guess, you know, I feel like James Bay really brings a cool energy. I think it would be really neat to open for James Bay. But I also think I would love to just do sort of a a small scale thing with Eloise, the girl that I just mentioned. She is sort of up and coming, but a lot further down the road than me. And I think that it would just be really awesome to open up for her because I think that we just have a similar vibe. And I think that her fans would probably really like the things that I do as well. But if I'm like dreaming big, I mean, I would love to do something with John Mayer. (laughs) It would just be awesome. But, you know, that's shooting for the stars, obviously. Yeah, but he's a great guitar player and I think he's a great songwriter. And whether you like him or not, I think you should respect his talents. I mean, there were a lot of bands that I grew up with that everybody loved that I didn't necessarily love. And now I'm coming back around now to really appreciate them when they weren't so popular almost like the hype behind a big movie and i'm not the type that runs out and sees that i wait and then you can really absorb it and have your own thoughts that's me too i'm totally that way yes yeah it's interesting because everybody has an opinion about john mayer right but take it or leave it there are certain artists that i love as musicians but don't like as people and vice versa yeah that's so true 100 percent. another question if you could tour five cities anywhere in the world on one tour, what would they be? Oh, wow. Well, I personally love Europe. I've just only scratched the surface with my yachting career, but I would love to do London. I've also never been to like Ireland, Scotland, any of these places, Wales. So I think it would be super fun to a Great Britain tour. And that's just a world that I am so not familiar with, but also that is kind of huge in music. Um, A lot of really great artists are coming from England specifically. So I think that I would love to do kind of a small Europe tour. I think that would be amazing. I just know that those general places are full of beauty. I'm also a uh, country girl. I'm not as much a city girl. So really, the draw, of course, is to go to big places where you've got fans that are listening. But I also selfishly just want to go for the beauty of the actual country itself and those kind of places have just always sparked an interest so you know honestly I guess the city doesn't particularly matter to me (laughs) it's it's more just the the general place as a whole right now that makes sense thankful that I've been to Ireland and Scotland and they are awesome and the way that I like to travel is a little less city and a little more local yep me too they get to absorb the vibe of that area and those people yeah which i think important and most time you have to travel by plane or train or to get to those places through the major cities obviously but yeah yeah i really love outside the city as far as travel although i've always lived in a city and i can't see myself living in, in the country area but we're lucky in a lot of ways right a, we live in America, but we have those opportunities that you can travel. It's just amazing, just the technology in general, that you can just hop on a plane and be in Chicago an hour, be in New Orleans in an hour. I mean, that kind of thing is is really amazing. And we're very fortunate where a lot of countries, they can't leave their home because they're being bombed. You know, it's, it's ridiculous. But taking advantage of the opportunities is very important. And I think it's growing as a person and just to see other places. There are a lot of people that never leave their hometown. There's nothing wrong with that. But in my opinion, I had to. And I have to continue to leave and go see other places so I continue to grow as a person. Yes, I completely agree with you. And I think being a person that kind of has traveled a little bit, especially at kind of a young age, you know, I'm, I just turned 27 and I feel really blessed to have already seen chunk of the world. And even though it's only really scratching the surface and I do think that traveling really is so enriching and being a part of other cultures, it just really is eye opening. It changes your perspective. And I think it's also something that is really inspirational. Song break. The next song is called silos and it is incredibly raw and vulnerable. I wrote it really broken place and when we went into production I on purpose wanted to keep it minimalistic so that it could just be 
a representation of exactly how it was when I wrote it. Me sitting at the piano, just pouring out my heart and my soul. And even though it's a song that comes from a hard place, I wrote it with the intention of it being hopeful and pursuing what's on the other side of the hard. So that's Silos, and it's something that is really, really, really special to me. Take a trip to the silos, honey, I know it's been a rocky few. Take a job on the coastline, in the meantime, waiting near for you. Then all at once you came at me, no signal fire, no Okay, before we wrap up, please tell us where we can find more about you and your music. Absolutely. I currently have a website up, so that is mraymusic.com. And um, like I mentioned earlier, I go by Madeline Ray, but to simplify that, I just go by mray on pretty much everything, mraymusic. And so that is M-R-A-E music and that that's how it is on instagram and facebook and then of course my artist name is madeline ray so madeline ray on any of the streaming platforms and it's all linked if you go to mraymusic.com and that's a wrap we hope you enjoyed listening to the podcast as much as we did recording it i have to thank the wands for the use of the instrumental version of magical touch make sure you check out their full version of the song on all your streaming apps you can reach us at ftsunashville at gmail.com. Check out our Instagram at Feeding the Senses Uncensored. As always, feed your senses, feast on your community's artistic talents, and always, always feed your soul. <laughs>